ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930 present The Drive. Brought to you by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Local then, local now. Never FDIC. It is Thursday, May 28th. Your drive begins now on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm your host, Paul Swan. You can join the program by calling the Miller Lite phone lines. You do that real easy. 877-420-TALK. That's 877-420-8255. Because, well, Miller Lite, hold true. Great taste only. Only 96 calories. It is the original light beer. We have got a full show today. Uh, We're going to run down a lot of things that are happening in Conference USA, from stadium capacity to everything in between the spectrum. So we're going to talk a lot about what's going on in Conference USA today. we got bowls to get into here in a moment as Conference USA announcing their bowl tie-ins. We'll break those down. News of the day, Boston Marathon is not going to be run this year. That was announced earlier today. That is the first time in the 124-year history that has not been held through the streets of the city. They're citing public health reasons. Obviously, that ties into the pandemic. So the Boston Marathon, now a victim of the pandemic. Also, if you're worried, if you're in Texas, and you're worried about maybe not being able to see your Cowboys, see your Texans, see your Rangers, don't worry. Governor's got your back. He's got your back because Texas sports fans are going to be really allowed to experience live sports. The governor of Texas, Greg Abbott, approved an order today that would allow outdoor sports facilities to operate at 25% capacity this summer. So, the green light was given for sports to resume in Texas May 31st. In order to host fans, teams will have to apply and receive approval from the Texas Department of State Health Services. This is according to a report coming out of the Texas Tribune. The order is going to allow, of course, them Cowboys the Houston, Texas, and the Rangers to host fans in the stadium. Of course, all of them play in stadiums with retractable roofs. So, guess what? Open up the roof. Let that fresh air in. Now, fans still not allowed to attend sporting events in indoor stadiums. So, if it's an indoor stadium, that's completely not allowed. College football That's probably going to happen as well for the majority of schools in Texas because most of those games, outdoors. What the capacity is going to be, that's going to be another story altogether. I mean, do you limit the Texas Longhorns to 25% capacity? And does he really even have the say? Does he have the say? You can can operate at 25% capacity. I mean, is the NFL going to go, whoa, 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 no, no, no. Whoa, 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 whoa. No, not necessarily. No, 25, that's nice. No, no, no. Uh, We're going to need 45 or 30. Because the NFL, they're going to have to, of course, adhere to state and local regulations. And at the same time, if they think they can social distance and they can have 25% fans or 50%, and there's going to be some probably tugging here back and forth. But the door has been open. If you're a fan of Texas football, 
you're in good shape because the Cowboys and the Texans, 25% capacity, and the Rangers, that could open up the door for them a little bit as well. We still don't know what's going to happen with Major League Baseball. I'm I'm on the just the line right now to you guys figure it out. If we got a season, great. If, if that's going to happen, I'm good. Let's go. If not, you guys can't figure it out. And money's the issue? Not health and safety, but money? Okay, I get it. You guys, we'll see you next season. Honestly, I think the big fights need to be health and safety. I think the money issues should be simple. Okay, okay, this is what we're operating. Reduced capacity to make money. This is what we're going to give you. It's fair. It's generous. Take it. Make money instead of not making money. And, of course, I would be fighting more for the health and safety issues. And that's what I'd be pushing for. I'd be worried more about that. That would be my biggest concern. But I do digress. So Conference USA today sending out the release. New bowl tie-ins through the 2025 season. So the agreements are going to guarantee seven postseason games for Conference USA. Some of them are going to be fluid. Some of them are going to be mainstays. So every year, Conference USA is going to send teams to the Bahamas Bowl against the Mid-American Conference. That game does not excite me. It's not the fact that it's the Mid-American Conference. It's just the Bahamas Bowl, Mid-American Conference. That is not must-see TV for me. I am sorry. If that's your bowl tie-in, I get it. But that is not must-see TV. I am not sitting, waiting anxiously to watch the Bahamas Bowl against an opponent from the Mid-American Conference. Now, granted, I like a lot of those teams in the MAC. That's a regular season game for me. I, I want to see something a little bit more exciting. Not going to happen, though. Bahamas Bowl, MAC. That's fine. I'm sure the MAC sitting there going, oh, yeah, Conference USA, great. We get to see them again. And the RNL carries. New Orleans Bowl, um, that's going to be a Sunbelt opponent. So the New Orleans Bowl, Sunbelt opponent, and you've got also a semi-annual agreement with the Independence Bowl in 2021 and 2025, and the Hawaii Bowl as well, in 2020, 2022, and 2024. So let's recap. USA sending teams to the Bahamas Bowl against the MAC. And the RNL carries New Orleans Bowl against the Sun Belt. The league has semi annual agreements with the Independence Bowl and the Hawaii Bowl. So that's where we start. What's the rest of this bowl lineup look like? Well, I'm glad you asked because the conference's remaining guaranteed selections in the cycle, it will be the four or five per season, will include the Lending Tree Bowl, which is in Alabama. And the following games, which are owned and operated by ESPN events. So the selections could be the Lockheed Martin Armed Forces Bowl, Ticket Smarter Birmingham Bowl, Boca, of course, you know the Boca Bowl, the Camellia Bowl, the Cure Bowl, the Fenway Bowl in Boston, Massachusetts. That's right. The Fenway Bowl, because nothing sounds like college football to me more than a football game in December in Fenway. That sounds like college football to me. The Serve Pro First Responders Bowl in Dallas. The Tropical Smoothie Cafe Frisco Bowl. Of course, one bowl that's a favorite of the herd, the Gasparilla Bowl. 
the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and the New Mexico Bowl. These are all options for Conference USA, depending on what the rotation looks like on a yearly basis. Now, the good news is, if you're Conference USA, you got seven games. You're going to be guaranteed seven spots. So if you've got seven bowl-eligible teams, you're going to find a place for them. And that's good from a standpoint that any more, if you're not playing in a bowl, you did something wrong. They're handing out bowls every day. I could probably qualify for a bowl. Everybody gets a bowl, or every school gets a bowl. If you don't get a bowl, you did something wrong. How bad are you if you don't get a bowl? You don't qualify for a bowl or you don't get a bowl bid. How bad are you? I mean, that's where we're at right now. But the good news is that's something that you can you can pitch. Like, hey, you know, we've got all these bowl opportunities here. You come play here. You're going to get a good education. you got an opportunity to play in a bowl. you got that opportunity. I mean, every year. Because for some schools, that's all they've got. There's no playing for the national championship very often, if ever, if you're in Conference USA, unless you just have one miraculous season so undeniable that they've got to include you. You're not playing for a national championship, so you've got to fall back on the bowls. But it's good that Conference USA has so many bowl bids because, after all, remember those years in the Mid-American Conference? And if you don't, let me refresh you. There was one. One bowl, the Motor City Bowl. And after a while, that got old. That's not like going to the Rose Bowl on a yearly basis. That's not that. The pageantry of the Rose Bowl, the Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all. Going to the Rose Bowl every year was the goal. That's not that, no. The Motor City Bowl. And after a while, that just got old completely. I mean, there's only so many trips to Detroit you can make before you're like, can we get somewhere else? Is there another city we can go to? I mean, because one, Detroit's not really a tourist destination. I, I'm, I'm not really thinking I want a vacation in Detroit. I mean, granted, there are some nice things about Detroit and nice things about Michigan. I just can't really list any of them right now. But they do have hockey. That would be a, That's a draw for me. If I could work in a hockey game, yeah, going to the Motor City Bowl when that was happening. Now you've got so many options here. I mean, Marshall could eventually find itself at the Bahamas Bowl. Marshall could find itself in Texas. I mean, hey, let's go play a football game at Fenway. Eh, we'll, I'll, we'll see. We'll see. I'm not, I'm not keen on those. I think bowl games should be warm weather destinations. It's a reward for these kids, right? I mean, the kids don't care. They're going to play anywhere, just about. For the most part, they're going to play. You don't hear kids too much say, uh, I don't want to play at Fenway. Yeah, you're going to play because it's a bowl. You're going to play. You're going to play because it's another game. And I completely understand. But the fans, if we have a bowl season, if we get to that point where we have a bowl season, I'm thinking warm weather, right? I want to be somewhere where it's warm. I don't, I don't want to be in Massachusetts. I mean, we're talking the NFL, completely different animal here, but we're talking a college football game. I want somewhere warm. I mean, Fort Worth, Texas is warm. Boca Raton is warm. Frisco, Texas is warm. Albuquerque, New Mexico, it's warm. It's warm, too. Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, 
It's warm. It's curable. Orlando, Florida, that's warm. Then you go and throw in the Fenway Bowl. Boston, Massachusetts, it's not warm. It's not warm during bowl season. There you have it. Those are the bowl tie-ins. I mean, for the most part, you think of it more as the destination. I mean, really, this is all made for TV events. I mean, these games are owned and operated by ESPN events. Why? Because these are ESPN events. Aptly named, ESPN events runs this. Because this is television programming. Yeah, Fenway, yeah, let's have a game in Fenway. It doesn't matter if it's cold. It's on TV. There you go. Conference USA, multiple bowl games. I mean, that's the good news, at least from a football standpoint, unlike the years past when Marshall was in a conference where one bowl bid, that was it. The Mid-American Conference would send its champion, its representative, to the Motor City Bowl. And that was a big deal for a while, but times have changed. All right, let's run down more of what's happening when we continue on with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. Never miss a moment of The Drive with Paul Swan. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. We are presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. Welcome back to the Thursday, May 28th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So the one thing that we've been talking about a lot, and we don't have really a number just yet from Marshall, we do and we don't. If you read between the lines, and and really, there's a good piece on HerdZone.com. Chuck McGill had a chance to catch up with the athletic director himself, Mike Hamrick. And they're, they're trying to figure out what it's going to look like here in the foreseeable future, what the plans are going to be. And I'm strongly suggesting to you, if you want to be at Jones C. Edwards Stadium, if the stadium is open for fans at a reduced capacity, I'm telling you now, get your season ticket. Because if you don't have that season ticket and the stadium is at reduced capacity, you're not walking up on game day and getting a ticket. Because whatever the capacity is going to be, I'm thinking the capacity is going to be basically the season ticket holders, students, and a few others, and that's it. Whatever those numbers look like, that's probably going to be your capacity. And honestly... Not my job to sell tickets, but they've made it kind of easy for you. If you want to get your tickets now, if there's no season, push that forward the next year. That money goes next year. So if you're going to get your season ticket, I go ahead and do it now because the deadline's coming up. But the reason I mention that is because we're seeing more and more schools across Conference USA coming up with their social distancing rules and limiting attendance. Southern Miss, their athletic department, for example, they're putting together a plan for fans to enter into stadiums in a safe and secure manner, is how it's being described. Their athletic director, Jeremy McLean, said that the university's health department is assisting in the effort, and they say, and this is a direct quote, and this is coming from the Hattiesburg American, I think the main thing for us is... If we get the green light and we feel comfortable with coming back, we've got a plan. And this, again, is Jeremy McLean. I mean, he's basically saying safety is a top priority. Get this, though. It's almost as if 
Jerry was reading Chuck Landon's column here, or he's rubbing some salt in Chuck Landon's high-five wounds. Every traditional game day interaction, down to high-fiving fans, will be reviewed according to McLean. And why do I mention the columnist Chuck Landon? Go read his latest work. You might not have the traditional high-fiving anymore. I'm a fist-bump guy myself, so I'm okay with that. Read his latest work over the Herald-Dispatch. But I do digress, but I, I, that, that stuck out to me because, again, in this, in this story from the Hattiesburg American, just the fact that they point out every traditional game day interaction down to high-fiving fans will be reviewed. Isn't that just common sense? Hey, we're all washing our hands more these days, and we're using hand sanitizer, we're social distancing, we're trying to limit interaction, but hey, we're going to high-five each other? I mean, common sense. Common sense here. So the capacity for Southern Miss at Eminem R. Roberts Stadium there, Eminem Roberts Stadium, 36,000. 36,000. Social distancing rules put in place today. They said the limit for attendance would stand at about 30%, which would be 10,800. That's it. That's the max, 10,800. They also said that the common fan spaces at Southern Miss, the home games would look different too. They're indicating that the current plan for social distancing guidelines and concessions, ticket and bathroom lines will mirror many of the markers of what consumers see today in grocery and retail stores. So there are going to be arrows all over the place, for one. We're going to have lines. If you've gone to the grocery store, and I know you have because I've seen many of you out there. Yes, I've, I've had to go too. At most stores, you've got the six-feet lines. You've got the arrows pointing which way you need to go down the aisle. You've got all of that, and that could be happening. I mean, you could have every other concession stand open, or you could have a line max of maybe five or ten. I don't know. It's going to depend on each stadium, how they handle that. Because if you've got fans in the stands, you're going to have concessions, right? I mean, that's what a lot of people are thinking. Got to have concessions. Got to have an opportunity to basically get some food. And what's tailgating going to look like? Again, that's going to be a big question. I, I'm interested to see what tailgating looks like across the country. Will universities say, no, you can't do that on property? Of course, that's not going to prohibit anyone from tailgating in adjacent properties across college football all across America. So if there's an adjacent property that's not university-controlled, you know fans, they're going to tailgate. And are they going to practice social distancing? What do you think? What do you think? And that's just here at Southern Miss. Now, Middle Tennessee, on the other hand, we don't even know what's going on there. Middle Tennessee doesn't have a plan. Well, let me rephrase that. They don't have a timetable for the plan. They are taking the approach, according to Murfreesboro Daily News and Joseph Spears' report today. In this story, they're taking the approach that the football season is going to happen because no one has told us differently. 
And we're still looking at dates to get those guys back on campus. And this comes from the Middle Tennessee Athletic Department. They said that they'd like to have the players back by July 1st so they can begin with the workouts and those kind of things. They added, most people are following the NCAA guidelines, and that's what we're doing. Right now, we just don't have a hard set of dates. They have set up a task force, so they have a task force in charge of coming up with a plan on when to bring the athletes back to begin workouts and practices. Again, go to HerdZone.com. I hope to have uh, the athletic director himself, Mike Hamrick, on the program in the near future just to kind of get a, a, an up-to-the-minute update from him on how things are progressing. But give Marshall credit. The moment the date was announced, Marshall put the plan in action. They had the plan. This is what we're doing. And Mike Hamrick outlines a little bit of what that plan is. And Again, you know, instead of me sitting here and reading all of what Mr. McGill had to write with his interview and his uh, conversation with uh, Mike Hamrick, uh, go read Chuck's piece over at HerdZone.com. But Marshall has a plan in place. I mean, at least it sounds like they have a plan in place. They have an idea of what they're doing. They're not bringing everybody back. They're bringing everyone that needs to be back. There's going to be testing. I mean, honestly, there's a lot going on right now at Marshall. And I think Marshall is in a better situation than, well, many of the university across the country. I mean, we know, honestly, we know right now Marshall's plan is in place because we're almost there. We're almost at the date. It's almost June 1st. And that means already players are being tested and they've got to have negative tests. You're on social media. I'm on social media. We see all that. We know what's happening. Players are getting tested. They're getting ready to be back on campus. The NCAA is um, at least giving some guidance to what can happen here. And so Marshall has a plan in place. And as we see already, players are getting tested. And then we're inching into further and further what we can expect with the workouts. Honestly, I think Marshall's doing it right so far. And they're not letting guys like me or Keith Morehouse or Mark Martin, they're not letting us hang out over at the workouts because the university's still closed. So whatever happens over there, it's going to be with minimal staff, and that's about it. No hanging out. You're not going to have fans uh, hanging out in the stadium, observing. And I know that's killing a lot of guys. I, I'm with you. I understand but they're trying to do this as safely as possible because the last thing you want is an outbreak. You don't want a guy coming back and slipping through the cracks and then all of a sudden you've got a core group of your team infected. I mean, that would be a bad scenario to deal with. So right now I know the good news here is Marshall's got a plan. Fair a lot of universities, they, they, they haven't said what their plans are. I'm seeing details of, okay, Marshall's got a plan. More so than other schools. I'll say that. That's fair. All right. Um, we were talking about tickets earlier. North Texas, uh, they've got a program now. It's in an attempt to get fans to buy tickets because, after all, if you don't spend money on tickets, university doesn't have money. And if there's going to be reduced capacity – 
You might not get a seat if you're interested in going during the fall season. If there is a season, lots of what-ifs. But you want to guarantee yourself a seat, a season ticket. We'll talk more about it when we continue with today's edition of The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We're taking Paul Swan everywhere. Download or subscribe to The Drive with Paul Swan on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thursday, May 28th edition, The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. I'm taking a tour of Conference USA today, looking over some of the things that have been happening to Marshall's conference mates. And you know that Marshall's season ticket plan affords you some opportunities if there's not a football season. You're basically not losing money. You can get a refund. You can donate that money. You can apply what you've paid towards Marshall. You can just donate that money, tax deductible. Or you can just move that forward to the following season and season tickets. And unless you're a brand-new season ticket holder and you're not sure, you're a season ticket holder. You've got tickets for years. What are you going to do, not go the following year? I mean, is, is that the deal? So here it is. That's the outline plan. North Texas, they've now got a season ticket assurance program to protect fans' financial interest. That's how it's being termed. Here's the deal. If games are canceled for North Texas, fans will have several options to apply the money they've spent on unused tickets. North Texas is going to allow fans to ask for a refund. Hey, there you go. I've heard that. That's a pretty good deal. You don't have a game? I want my money back. You could use the funds from unused tickets to pay for future tickets or convert payments to donations to the Mean Green Scholarship Fund. The fund, of course, covers scholarships for North Texas. How about that? I've heard this plan before. Somewhere I've heard this plan. Again, I think Marshall's doing a good job. Marshall's getting this stuff out early. They're pointing to the fact that here's the plan. You're starting to see other schools now come on board doing something very similar, almost word for word, but very similar to what Marshall's doing. The policy also establishes a packing order to basically distribute the football tickets if social distancing practices force the school to reduce the capacity. The plan prioritizes students and those who purchase season tickets. Again, here it is. Read the words. They're all saying it. If you do not have a season ticket, and if by any reason we have to reduce capacity, you're pretty much not getting in if you're not on the list. So, Here it is. If you're not on the list, you're not getting in. And keep this in mind. I know a lot of you like to to road trip. You like to travel. You like to go on the road, follow the herd. Probably not going to be much of that, if any. I don't think you're going to see stadiums, college football stadiums, open up the stadium, much of any, to fans that are not season ticket holders of that school. So if you're not a North 
you're not a North Texas season ticket holder. You're not coming in. If you're a Marshall fan and you want to travel this year, follow the herd, pretty much you're not getting in is, is what I'm understanding it to be right now. Again, this could change because nothing has been set in stone. Nothing is solid. This is all fluid. But now you're seeing a little bit more. You're feeling what the theme here is. How are the universities, how are the athletic departments going to handle this? Buy your season ticket. Buy your season ticket. And if social distancing is implemented, if you don't have your season ticket, you're going to be almost hard-pressed to get a ticket. Because at least at Marshall, I would think the season tickets sold would cover the reduced capacity. Whatever that's going to be, I think the season tickets, the students, that's pretty much going to be covering the reduced capacity. And none of this really, from anyone, outlines what's going to happen in the luxury boxes. How's that going to work? Because now we're talking about a confined space. Now, I know places like restaurants have been, and it varies by state, Places have been allowed to open up partial capacity. Are you going to have that be the same as well? There will be a reduced capacity in the press box, and that means the luxury suites as well. Does that mean maybe just a few people per suite? I mean, are those tickets going to be a premium as well? Like, sorry, you can only have four people here. Is that what's going to happen? Four per booth, four per box? I mean, I can imagine... The media core is going to be cut down to basically primary, essential, and that's it. Maybe visiting media if, if they're traveling. What's that going to look like? I mean, none of this is set in stone just yet, but you're starting to see now here are, here are, the, here are the signs. Not saying this is going to happen, but get in line. The Drive on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank. We will wrap up the show when we continue. The Drive with Paul Swan. Marshall Athletic Director Mike Hamrick. He knows. Paul's the best. On ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. We continue on with today's edition of The Drive, presented by Huntington Federal Savings Bank for this Thursday, May 28th. I'm your host, Paul Swan. Thanks for tuning in here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. So we've been looking at Conference USA, what's been happening across the landscape, and we find out that FAU is going to start allowing football players to return on campus. They're doing it in a phased-in approach. They're starting on June 8th. And that's not a bad idea either, just to ease players in, trying to – get them on campus. They're going to be allowed at that time to return to campus, phasing them in. I'm kind of curious, how are they going to, are they going to test prior to them being allowed to come on campus or are they going to have to report, be tested, be phased in? That's some of the the things that I'm curious about as well. Each university is handling this completely differently, but the same. I don't know if that makes sense to you, but it just feels like there's an overall general approach, but you've got some schools that are just phasing people in. You've got other schools that, all right, here's the date. We've got the plan. Execute. And I'm not saying some schools are rushing where others are taking their time. It just feels like everyone's got a different cadence to this. But FAU, they're going to phase in 
beginning June 8th. And that's one way to really get to, I'm serious. Uh, you know, you, you, I would take my time. If you're not sure, take your time. Phase them in. I don't think you're going to win a football game the first week of these, um, these workouts. You've missed so much already. Everybody's on equal footing here. And it's going to be helpful to these student athletes to be in a situation where you got to check their health, their conditioning. Have they been able to maintain? Have they been able to improve? You know, have they backslid a little bit? And Marshall, I'm sure they're glad to be able to get those kids back to where they can they work with them, voluntary workouts. They can work with them, though. I mean, that's the key because that's the important thing. That's the health and well-being. If you're going to play football, you better make sure these kids are in football shape because anything else would just not be good to put them out there. I'm not talking about quality of play. I'm just talking about their, their conditioning, their health, their well-being. Here, kid, you haven't you haven't worked out in, in, in several months. Go play football. That's not happening. And I'm okay with the way they're phasing these things in. All right. Um there was um there was one story I caught today on the uh, the Daily News website for Western Kentucky, Bowling Green Daily News. And you don't really see this at Marshall. You don't have Mike Hamrick coming out and having to fight the media or fight the perception that the spending is just out of hand or Marshall's not doing the right things with the budget. You don't have to you don't have to see that type of stuff. But apparently that's going on. And of course Western Kentucky's had budget issues already. The athletic director of Western Kentucky, Todd Stewart. He spoke with the Daily News about the athletic department's ongoing success in Conference USA despite having one of the lowest budgets in the league. And according to the story, what Western Kentucky does with the budget gets more attention than anything else at the university. Here's what Stewart said. There's just some people on this campus that are obsessed with athletic spending. It seems to come up in a disproportionate amount. I say that with a standpoint of we're only 4% of this university's budget. Of course, he is venting from some comments that were made during a quarterly board of regents meeting, which took place on May 15th. One of the faculty uh, regents pointed out raises for assistant football coaches. Okay, I get that. If you are trying to run a university, if you're trying to budget properly, you're probably looking at football. If you're on the academic side, and it depends on the university as well, because some universities, the academic side and the athletic side, there's a lot of cohesiveness. They get together. They get along. They communicate with each other. They, they understand one helps the other. And then you've got some who think, you know what? This is a university. Why are we doing this? What's the point here? This is a school for higher learning. We don't need this stuff. Football coaches get paid better than the teachers. And, yeah, Doc Holliday is making more. I'm sorry. It's a fact. 
Doc Holliday's probably making more than a lot of the teachers at university. Different job, different position, and I understand completely. I'm not saying it's right, wrong, or you know, anywhere in between. I'm just saying, yeah, I get that. I get that. And assistant coaches, I'm sure a lot of them are making more, not just at Marshall. It could be anywhere. They're making probably more than a lot of the academics. And, I, and again, I completely understand that because you're looking at a university that is charged with educating young men and women. The main purpose of the university is to educate young men and women. And then you see an assistant coach probably making more than you. And, yeah, I can get that. I can see where there can be some contention. But as I said, some universities, they get along with the athletic department. Some universities, you have a partnership. I mean, look at what athletics has done at Marshall. Buck Harless, for example. Those kids benefit from that. I mean, Marshall has put in place a system where they're prioritizing the education of these individuals. I mean, they've devoted facility space to it. I mean, you've got athletic indoor practice facilities across the country that I'm sure are beautiful. They are wonderful facilities, and they've got so many great amenities. And a kid comes to Marshall, and Marshall's got facilities that are really good as well and can probably compete with most universities. Here, this is what we offer from a facility-wise. And then you take that little tour. By the way, we've got the sports medicine over here. Oh, what's that? Well, we want you to actually graduate with a degree. Here's, here's this facility for you. And here's what we do to help you maintain being a student-athlete. Now, is that happening at other universities where they've dedicated that kind of facility? It, it, yes and no. I mean, I don't have the I don't have the list in front of me, but yeah, it, it, it happens. It's not exclusive to the Marshall, but you see my point. There are some universities where the academics and the athletic side they don't necessarily get along, and it makes it hard. It makes it hard because they're looking at. Everything expense-wise, and so if there is some spending going on in the athletic department, the academic side looking at this like, what What are you doing? And he brings up a good point. Hey, look, we're not necessarily the biggest athletic budget in Conference USA, and oh, by the way, uh, we're 4% of the budget here. And let's also be honest. Let's, let's be fair. Western Kentucky... I would not have heard of this school. Of course, if I was in Kentucky, I would have known about Western Kentucky. But if I'm outside of Western Kentucky, I would not have heard of this school until Marshall played them in something. Unless they did something in athletics. And, you know, their athletic department has brought attention to the academic side and the university. So, you know, that just fascinated me. And I'm not trying to pit academics against athletics because you need both because these are student athletes. But thankfully, and I'm sure there are some on Marshall's campus that go, hey, you know, what are we doing here with this? What are we doing? We're always spending this money. What are we getting out of this university? What are we getting out of this football team? What are we getting out of this basketball team? I'll tell you what, the young men and women who get to take advantage of the athletics on campus, uh, they might tell you differently that they're getting a, a huge benefit from it and there's quality of life issue. It provides countless hours of entertainment. 
and value for citizens of, of this region and fans of, um, of sports and the state. It provides entertainment. It provides an opportunity for young men and women to have a chance to get an education. Yeah, there, there are a lot of good things about it. And yes, I do think, and this isn't pointed at anyone or any university, but I do think that the way that college athletics maybe has gotten out of hand, just from the mere standpoint that there's lots of money being made in college athletics level, and just the way that this crisis, this pandemic, has exposed so many deficiencies and so many deficits, not too many universities can survive without football. So if football doesn't happen, we're going to see maybe a lot of athletic departments falter. And if you're a smaller university or your athletic department's not generating that much revenue compared to, say, Alabama, yeah, okay, I get it. I can understand why you might not have a, a treasure trove of resources to fall back on. But if you're Alabama, you're Ohio State, you're Texas, what you bring in, you're pretty much spending. And trust me, they are spending, and it's always an arms race. That's what college athletics has become. That's going to do it for this edition of the show. Don't forget, if you missed any part of the program, you can always go back and catch it. We podcast daily. You can go listen to us on Apple Podcasts. You can listen to us on Spotify, Stitcher Radio. Tune in. Wherever you get your podcast is where you'll find the drive. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. Get you set for the weekend here on ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930. WTU7BS Huntington, your flagship home of the Marshall Thundering Herd and The Drive with Paul Swan, ESPN 94.1 FM and AM 930.